Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 39. I'll be your host this afternoon. My name is Delton. With me today is my lovely co-host and wife and cockatoo, Haley. And we are not coming to you live at Sunday morning. We're not, thank goodness. It's Saturday night. <laughs> we're live on Sunday morning. I forgot my... Yeah, we'll be live on Sunday morning. However, we're not, we're coming, not actually live. We're not, on, we're not recording this on Sunday morning. And I'm very proud of that. Yeah, but I still have to edit Sunday morning now. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We got behind during the week, but it's cool because we did play some games, which we'll talk about later. Yes. Woo! So since the last episode, we've had not a whole lot happen in our lives aside from the usual and playing some games, seeing some friends, the kind of stuff we always go through. We had a date day on Saturday last week. We did have a date day where we went around to bookstores and ate a lot of vegan food, looked for a lot of Funko Pops, drank some beer. I only got two Funko Pops. Went to three separate places for Funko Pops. One place we went twice. We did. Leading us to drive between two different cities multiple times. Oh, they're all in the same metro. It's fine. I know we have the largest land area metro in the United States, so that's saying a lot. I know that. However, it wasn't like you had to cross one completely. It was like 15 minutes. Well, so, yes. But, <laughs> so, uh, for y'all who don't know, which you all probably should know because you've listened to a squawk for about 39 episodes now, Yeah, uh, Delton and I are from small towns in western Oklahoma, yep. and both of our families, my, my parents in particular, refer to Oklahoma City as the city. The problem is, they don't consider Oklahoma City the city, they consider the entire metro the city, Yep. which if you drive from the top to the bottom, you're driving about an hour, if not more. If you drive from North Edmond down to Moore, you're driving about an hour. Yes, down to the south of Norman, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, our drive across the metro to two different cities only took about 15, 20 minutes. We made it multiple times. However, one time, my mom asked me to pick up my sister's baby shower cookies on the way to Elk City. And she said, hey, can you swing by and get her baby shower cookies? We ordered them from a woman in the city. So I'm thinking, okay, I live in Edmond. She's probably saying Oklahoma City. At most, that's like going to take me five, ten minutes out of the way because we got to make it down to I-40 anyway. It's not going to be bad. No. This cookie lady was in Norman. She was in Norman. She was almost to Moore. It was off of I-240 just south of the north of Moore. But it was very close to Norman. It took us about 40 minutes out of the way to meet this gal and get these cookies. And we couldn't even eat. Oklahoma City. To everyone who doesn't live there is considered the city. And like Haley said, it's the entire metro area, which is massive. Massive. Like I said, the largest land area in the United States for a metro. Larger than Los Angeles. Larger than New York City. The metro is larger than any other in the United States. When you're driving down I-40 going west in Oklahoma and you see the sign saying you're entering Oklahoma City. What is it? The city limits. The city limits. Thank you. When you're entering Oklahoma City limits. You still drive for several miles, I think, before you get to Oklahoma if, City actually seeing buildings and things. If you drive the speed limit, you'll be driving approximately 37 minutes from the time you reach the city limits to the time you actually see the Devon Tower in downtown Oklahoma City. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. And that's just the middle. Then you get to drive all the way to like Midwest City or wherever to reach the other side. It's just crazy. Yes. It's a lot. But that's my rant for the day. We were going around to different stores looking for Funko Pops because I was trying to complete my one-piece Funko Pop set. I'm missing like seven, 
and some of them they no longer produce, but they have a couple new ones, and I can't seem to get my hands on them in store. So I was looking, however, did not find them, but I found two from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and was very excited to be able to pick those up. And we found one of Queen Elizabeth II we gave to Malt House Games number one fan. Allison! Allison! Perfect spot for a shout out to our Patreon backers. Thank you, Allison, for being awesome. Thank you, Alan, for being awesome. And thank you, Jesse and Catherine, for being awesome. Awesome. So since we brought up Western Oklahoma and our parents, I cracked a beer. I'm sure you heard it. Ah, <laughs> uh, perfect segue. Uh, I thought so. This is Coffee Nemesis, an imperial stout, which is a stout aged on coffee beans from Elk Valley Brewing Company here in Oklahoma City. In the city? In the city. It says, before I began brewing full-time, I worked as a Department of Defense mechanic at Tinker Air Force Base, repairing, maintaining, and upgrading B-52 bombers. One of my favorite was an H-model named Nemesis. She was a strong, bold, and challenging plane to work on, worthy of an Imperial Stout with the same qualities. The addition of fresh roasted coffee beans takes this beer to its top angels. Cheers. Well, that's cool. I didn't know that if that's what the owner, if he actually worked on bombers and stuff at Tinker. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So in Oklahoma City, we have, in Oklahoma City, in the city, city, we have Tinker Air Force Base. In the city. And it's gigantic. And they, it's, you know, heavily security. It's a military base, basically, uh, with for the Air Force. And it's government property. It's pretty cool. You can't play in the creek behind Tinker Air Force Base, and we don't know why. So this beer smells very good. It's definitely a stout. You can smell the coffee. Haley's tasting. She swallows. What do you think? It tastes very, very sweet, so, but it does have a great coffee finish. It is sweet. It doesn't have as much of a kick as I would expect for an Imperial. This is like the Frappuccino of stouts. You know, stouts have that coffee taste, and yeah. often they're really stern, where some stouts may be like the espresso, where Guinness is like the... Cappuccino machine at 7-Eleven. That's what I was about to say, the 7-Eleven <laughs> coffee. This is like the Frappuccino of stouts. It's very good. It's not going to kill you. It's nice and sweet, so you don't have to worry about that. It's pretty good. It's not too thick feeling either. Most, most stouts have a nice thick mouthfeel, and this doesn't seem to. Ah, that's what she said. It's definitely a thicker beer. And now that I've had a few drinks, <laughs> I've got it where it's going on, where it feels like it's thicker in the back of the mouth afterward. Mm -hmm. But it's very good. So this week we also hung out with Delton's mom. We did. My mom came into town. She was supposed to come in Friday night and stay with us, but then last minute changed the plan and just came in this Saturday morning. But we got to go eat at Sunnyside Diner in Oklahoma City where we had... In Edmond. In Edmond. Which is part of the city. Sorry, I said Oklahoma City. We've been talking about it all day. Because Edmond is part of the it's city. It's part of the city. And we had some great vegan food because they have an amazing vegan breakfast menu for us. Then we went to a bunch of garage sales. We took her to meet the Greyhounds at the Greyhound meetup. Delton and found a board game. I found a board game. I found Raw, the old Uber Play version, which is a, it's a Reiner Knizia game. And this is the original version before Fantasy Flight put out their reprint. But I got the game, everything's there for 15 bucks. And I'm very excited about that because the new print on Amazon's like 55. Delton was driving the car. Tammy and I got out and we're going to go look at a garage sale. And Delton was supposed to follow us. And I told Tammy, I bet you he's going to stay in the car until he counts every piece in that board game. And then he's going to drive the car over to us wherever we are and pick us up. Well, about eh, 12, 13 minutes later on our third garage sale, Delton rolls up, rolls down the window. I finished counting the pieces. 
<laughs> they were all there. Sure enough, all 180 were there. And then we're driving out of the neighborhood, and I'm trying to tell Delton where to go and to stop messing with the GPS. And he keeps sassing me, being a sassafras. And so I open up the box lid, and I'm like, we're about to have 179 out the window, 178 pieces out the window, 177 out the window. It had 180 of one tile, like 48 of another, and then another 16 of something else, and one of something else. So there was a lot of pieces, and I wanted to make sure they were all there because this version's out of print, and so you can't just email the company for a replacement part. And even though we had already purchased it, $15, it was a bargain I was going to make because it seemed like it was all there, and sure enough. So I was very excited about that. Still am. I need to play it now. I had your mom rolling because I had you to a T. Your mom oh, was definitely. laughing her butt off the whole time. Definitely. But garage sales were fun. Didn't find anything aside from that for me. Haley didn't get anything from there, but my mom found some like nightstands and some free pieces of granite for some damn reason. Like a birdhouse. <laughs> a weird birdhouse with old a, rusty barbed wire. A little table for the kids' playroom. All kinds of stuff. So it was a good day. We're tired. We took a nap. Every time I do errands, one of my errands is a nap because I know I'm going to need it. And I will, because I'm drafting Q with Brian tonight, which means we're going to be up late, and I'm very glad I'm rested, or else I would be the worst magic partner. Every time I say magic partner, I just imagine, like, the magician always has their assistant. You're the lovely assistant. <laughs> I'm the lovely assistant that's just like, here you go, I'm going to play Placa Worm, and then there we go. You can be the magic man. Well, heart. Magic man? Isn't it heart that sings it? I have no idea. Oh, he's magic man. I was just thinking of the, oh, Barracuda. That's how in my head it's sung. I know that's not how they sing it. I'm wondering how to convince Tammy to accept her turns. She says the 30 days have passed. There has to be a way. There's not a way to get out of this. You're stuck <laughs> in here with me. It's okay. It's okay. Well, I can't say much. My singing wasn't that much better. It wasn't. It was pretty terrible. It was pretty bad. Meant in to that be. Moment. Meant to be. So what's we talking about today, Delton? Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. So the game for today is one that Haley bought me for our anniversary. I did. This is Caverna Cave versus Cave. It is a two-player version of the Uva Rosenberg game Caverna, which is a very popular game of his. Caverna Cave vs. Cave is produced by Lookout Games, which I think all Uva's games come out of Lookout, and then usually Z-Man publishes them in the U.S. from there. I don't know if Z-Man has their hands on this, but still. It is designed, like I said, Uva Rosenberg has an editor of Gregor Kobila. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. His name is G-R-Z-E-G-O-R-Z. So I'm just going to ignore the Z's and say Gregor. Very Czech spelling. Very Czech. The illustrations are my favorite, Clemens Franz, as well as the typesetting is Clemens Franz. So Caverna Cave versus Cave is, like I said, the small version of the full Caverna. It is a two-player only adaptation that comes in a small box, the same size as like Patchwork, Seven Wonders Duel, you know, King Domino, that kind of size. Morels. Exactly. That kind of size of smaller box. The way the game is going to function is... You are going to be not really competing over actions, but taking actions that once they're taken, your opponent cannot do. You will take an increasing number of those actions as the game progresses. You will be digging through rocks to reveal new room types in your cave, 
and then taking actions to place those rooms in your cave that you can then use actions to activate later to get more resources, gain more points, things like that. So it's kind of an engine builder, but it's different than most. You're setting up how you're going to earn points. No, it's a house builder. It is. <laughs> it's a cave builder. It's a cave builder. But it's an interesting way that it works because you'll take an action that says, you know, dig away some of the stone in your cave. So you dig and flip a tile over and it's a different new room. Well, then everyone, by everyone, I mean you and your opponent, have access to build that room in your cave. The rooms can be built and you have to have a certain type of wall structure. You can build walls in your room and the tiles have to fit in a certain way. So if it has to be surrounded by walls on all four sides, it tells you and you have to build it to those specifications. Each room is worth a certain number of points, and then you activate those rooms, or some have passive abilities, but you activate most of them to gain more points, gain more goods, trade goods for more gold, which is worth a point per gold, and things like that. So you're building up this little method of earning points, but also hoping your opponent does not take the actions that you need, because if they take what you might need, it's going to be more expensive for you to do it, or maybe you just can't do it yet. But that's basically how the game's going to function. Without going into a lot of detail, you'll be gaining resources, digging out new rooms, which puts them available, putting rooms in your place to use, and continuing that until the end of the game. The game is frustrating in a few ways for me, which is your opponent can take your action and they can take the room you're trying to build. Now, multiple rooms do the same sort of thing, but they do it in a different manner. So one room moves one of any item up by two. I believe it's one of any item or one of so, so many items. Another room moves all your items by one. And then another room was like two items up by one or something. So they all kind of do similar things. None of them are too powerful. However, it matters that you have something like it. If your opponent takes the one that says move everything up by one, you need to be moving stuff up because they're going to take a lead by having so many resources. Real quick. Real quick like Haley did. What? Me? No. Yes, you. But it's a very fun game. It only takes about 45 minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, if that. Yeah, if that. If we weren't reading and I wasn't like confirming certain rules and things. But it's an interesting way the game functions with using these different rooms. And you can take an action that says use two of your rooms. And you can use two rooms. And then you can take another action that says use two. And use the same two if you want. So you can just sit and repeat if you have a nice little combo built up. And that's really going to be the key part of this is building up these things that play off each other to keep you gaining points and being able to build new rooms that are worth a lot of points. Yeah, and like Delton said, it's kind of like a mini engine builder. You can't really link a lot of things. Uh, you can give yourself more options of things to do in your room. For example, one of the actions you can choose is to activate two of your orange rooms. And so you can choose which two rooms that you use, but you what, the use of one room generally doesn't activate another one, so it doesn't really link like a lot of engine builders. Yes, it's more like providing yourself some option. Yes. You have to be able to respond to your opponent and prepare for what they're doing. So if you think they're going to take an action, if somehow on your board you can give yourself a very viable option, if your opponent takes the action you want, that's the best route to go. Right, but you're still playing separately. You have your own boards. Yes. My Aside from if I choose an action that Delton wants, my board does not affect his board, and his board does not affect my board. I can't take his resources. He can't take mine. We build our little cave systems differently. He might have a swimming pool. I might have an axe den. Whatever. So the game's very fun. It's nothing too complex. It's pretty simple to understand. 
There are a few spots where the graphic design was a little confusing for me, but it was only because I didn't uh, understand this, like this slash was meant this or this. And I was like, oh, duh. And I just felt kind of dumb. Wow. But it's just because they they made sure to make it a smaller frame, smaller sized, uh, smaller sized tiles and things like that. So it fit by an eight by eight box. Yeah, it fit in that small box. Overall, we really like the game. It is just a two player game. There is a larger version of the game called Cavern. Is that right? No, it's just Caverna. Or Caverna. But this is just a two player game. I bought it for Delton for our anniversary because, I mean, we usually play two player games. And I find it really satisfying. I know Delton doesn't as much, but it's because I've won every time. Yes, two-player games tend to fall into two categories for me, which is the category of I'm doing everything separate from you, like a multiplayer solitaire style, or I'm going to interact with you and take things that you could want. And anytime something is where you can take an action your opponent wants or take something that they're trying to build, sometimes it can be frustrating when you get far behind and you're like, well, I really want this. That'll help me start to catch up then your opponent takes it because they have a better engine. Well, now their little options just got more advanced. And then now you're still trying to catch up. And when you're playing from behind, I find those games get more frustrating. A two-player game like Twilight Struggle feels like a knife fight. Or Morels feels like you're trying to outdo the other. And like your actions can directly affect the other one's turn. Yeah. This one feels like you are building a house and like installing a swimming pool and like a hummingbird feeder in your backyard and you're looking over the fence and your neighbor has a jacuzzi and a swimming pool and you're like, oh shit, I need to make my house even better. And so it's like this silent contest between you and your neighbor trying to build the best property. It kind of is. And then like... And cave version. Exactly. Or you've got this big shrub and you're having like a, somebody come out, what is it, a topiarist? Yeah. To like carve it and you like turn around and turn back and then suddenly you see a crane lifting it over into your neighbor's yard and you're like, hey, I wanted that. Or, That's how it feels for me. Or they've already booked the lawn guy that day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh no. So this game can have a bit of that. You're going for something and your opponent just straight up takes it. Whether they notice that or not is going to be dependent on your opponent. Most of the time, I don't think Haley knew what I was going for exactly. I don't think she was like, I'm going to take this action. I know you want it. There might have been a time or two we did that to each other, but it wasn't most of the time. So it's kind of like an incidental You're more blockage. Worried. You're more worried about making your own property look great. I think so, yes. And maybe that was part of the key with this game we haven't figured out is, or at least for me, is I need to quit worrying about, is she going to take this and then start looking at, what are you going for? Let me do something different. Yeah. So I don't know. It's some of the strategy we just have to figure out. We played this before at Shuffles in Tulsa, which was the first game that Haley ever taught me. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. Yeah, so this was the first game that I not only taught him, but I learned in the moment and taught him. Well, hold on. I taught you Pokemon. It doesn't count. It counts. I taught you how to battle Pokemons. I taught you how to build a deck and battle Pokemons. That's fine. So this is the second game that I've taught him. So... We were in Shuffles. It was the night that Gates invited us, invited us out for industry night. Hi, Gates. We love you. Hi. And so we were looking around the collection, trying to pick out a game. We wanted to play something we hadn't played before. We played a couple of games we hadn't played before. And I came across Caverna. And Delton had already learned and taught me two other games that evening. There was Hanako- Kobe? <laughs> Hanako- what is How do you say it? Hanami Koji. Hanami Koji. And Gip? Gip, right? yeah. yeah. Delton had already taught me those two, and 
I really appreciate it whenever he teaches me games, but both those times he was learning the game first, then teaching me. And so I'm sitting there staring off in the space, people watching like I normally do. And I was getting a little antsy. So I was like, you know what? I am going to find a game to teach. And Delton looks at me all skeptical-like, which he should have. And I did. And he did. But I found Cave vs. Cave, and the rule book was like eight pages long. I was like, I can do this. And so I read the rule book, and I attempted to explain it to him my own little Haley way. And we played the game. But what I learned that night is that it takes a lot of brain cells to be able to read, process a game for yourself, and then teach it to your partner in the style that they learn. So there's not necessarily that there's research that supports different quote-unquote learning styles, but I know how to teach Delton things. He knows how to teach me things. And it's made me think, you know, Whenever Delton's learning a board, you know, I was, I was teaching Delton that night. I know Delton. I learned Caverna. I processed it. I put it into my working memory. I introduced the themes and concepts to Delton, explained how it goes. And that was difficult. So I can only imagine what Delton goes through whenever he learns a game on the spot and teaches it to me, Brian, Mac, and Cass at the same time. So the topic today, obviously, is teaching board games. Because it was the first time Haley had ever taught me a game where she took the rule book learned it on the spot, and taught it to me. Yes, I was skeptical the entire time, making sure things were right. But I did it. <laughs> I did it. I even she explained a rule, and Delton was like, I don't think that's right. And he looked in the, in the rule book, and he was like, huh, I guess it is. And I was like, yeah, it was, because I read it. She did a very good job. and I it did was a very good job. It was hard as hell. And it was fun not being the one learning. But it's a different, like, I can teach Sagrada, because I played it 10,000 times. I can teach Cat Lady. The other night, I taught Patchwork. I can teach Morels. I can teach even Twilight Struggle because it's things that I've, I know. It's easy to teach those things because I've played them 10,000 times and I enjoy them. And it's just easy to play now, so it's easy to teach. But to take a board game rule book and learn it yourself and without having played it, making sense of what the text is telling you and applying that to what actions you need to take without it being shown. Because I'm really, I learn best by doing something. Like I can read the instructions where I can be shown how to do something, but until I actually do it myself and screw up and fix it, that's how I actually learn. And so this was hard as heck for me. It's just something you're not used to doing. I've done that for every game we own. And so it's something that I'm used to, but the thing with teaching a game is kind of what Haley brought up. The key to making it where the, your other players understand is knowing sort of the way you have to phrase things for them to get it. Right, because how I explain things to you might be different than how I explain things to Brian because you're different people. I play different kind yeah. of games with you than I play with Brian. And so to relay the components, relay the actions to games that maybe Brian has played or games that you have played or ways that you comprehend things, whether by listening, which I... Yeah. Or being shown something versus Brian, who if you just tell him one thing, he's like, all right, got it. <laughs> Brian does usually, so I've learned... With Haley, I go through it kind of the way I'm going to go through it in my head. I'll talk about the actions, and I'll try to explain as much as possible because I feel like Haley likes that more. I think it helps you to solidify your learning as well. If it does. If you're able to explain it to me, then it clicks for you. Because I mm -hmm. learn best, I do learn by that, but I learn best when we actually start to play. Definitely, and I know Brian's the same way. Brian likes a really quick rundown so he can get the gist of it. And then once we start playing and things start to click, that's when you go into more detail. And I know he's talked about he likes to learn. You know, learning as you go, everybody learns as you as you go. 
I just like learning as much as I can up front because I find that it helps me in that process, especially when I'm teaching people the games. But Brian teaches games well, and we've had no problem. He, he, right. he knows how to teach to us, though. Right. Also. So I feel like that is a huge thing is how do you teach to those people or your uh, target audience of your opponents? You also have to have a lot of patience. Before we get into patience, let's talk about this beer we're drinking. As Delton poured this while I was talking with my hands. I poured the second beer. It this is, is from Frenzy. From Frenzy Brewing, which is a brand new brewery from the city, which is going to be, <laughs> it's actually going to be up here in Edmond. So this was one of my old bosses, Matt, from mid-first three years ago or whatever. Uh, we talked about always wanting to run a brewery. Well, he finally did it, took the step, jumped in with enough recipes to start. This is Frenzy Brewing Co., and they're yeah, 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 because I'm a blonde, Belgian-style blonde. 7.5% alcohol by volume. I didn't read the Elk Valley how much it was. Elk Valley's 9%. Oh, okay, sweet. Blessed. <laughs> this is 7.7. Seven. No, I'm sorry, 7.5. But uh, there's no other descriptors on the can. It's very simple. It's actually a really nice, just dark blue and black. I it like looks the design. Good. It looks good. But we're very excited to have Frenzy out and about. Matt's doing very well. We bought t-shirts. So happy for Matt. I mean, this is something, like Delton said, this is something he's been talking about for a while. This was his dream job. very good at it. He's very good at it. They have great recipes. Go get a six-pack from your local Oklahoma, your Oklahoma liquor store today. <laughs> it's nice and light. Light mouthfeel. A little bit of carbonation on the backside. And it's just got the taste from a Belgian blonde you would expect. So I, I like it, though. It's, it's very good. It's very clean. Speaking of the patience to wait three years to open up your own brewery, <laughs> let's go back to patience and teaching games. Patience and teaching games. That's something that I really came to appreciate for Delton because Delton sometimes doesn't have the highest of stress tolerance, at least to I... my, at least what I see, my perception. But whenever I was teaching that game, I really realized maybe he does have a higher distress tolerance than what I give him credit for because that was, it was difficult to teach him a game. Of course, you were teaching me in a public place. Right. After we had been drinking a little bit. That's like when that's like when we went to Edmund Unplugged and I pulled Concordia off the shelf and started reading the book and there we went. That's that's when it's the most stressful because there's noises around. It's or hard for me to me focus. Dominant species in the boarding house. <laughs> oh my god. I had already learned that, but still. That was three hours of my life that I don't remember. I know Brian wasn't a fan, but I really want to play it again. And that's the other thing. Like we talked about in the Dominant Species episode how Delton had Brian and I say that Delton had Mr. Rule. Delton said they did Mr. Rule, we just didn't catch it. And but it showed me that whether he missed a rule or whether we didn't hear it, you know, if he missed a rule, I mean there's a lot of rules that we say that he was saying. You know, it was kind of Brian and I's responsibility. We could have looked up the board game rule book as well. We were just relying on Delton. And so I think what this has taught me is that it's okay for me to look at the rule book as well. Because now I do look at the rule book. Whenever Delton teach me, teaches me a game, not that I question what Delton is saying, but because it shouldn't be all of Delton's responsibility to teach me a game. If I have, if I'm confused about something, I should clarify in the rules myself. Now maybe Delton will want to clarify as well because maybe he has a question or maybe he's confused by the wording as well. But me teaching the game taught me that I should take more responsibility for clarifying rules and not, that way I have more of a mastery over the game myself and then I don't blame Delton for whenever a rule is missed, whether that be he didn't say something or I didn't listen. I mean, it's difficult, though, because when you get a game, especially something like Dominant Species, where there's a ton of rules, and I did mess up the Dominance rule early on, and then we figured out what it was, but it was pretty early. It was just the Dominance at the end being worth so many points that was the, like, glossed over kind of thing. 
But it's very difficult in a game that has so many rules that you've never played, never read the rule book, never thought about ahead of time like I have. When I teach a game, I'm in my head thinking, okay, what's easy to miss? What's this and that? What's this and that? But when you haven't played one for like a year and a half, it's still difficult to get across. Or if you never taught one before, you're like, how do I make this all flow with all the nuances of the play? It's so difficult. And the funny thing is, is like, I don't even see myself as a very good games teacher. I can get the game idea the way it plays across but then you watch some of these people that are basically professional games teachers like if you watch rodney smith on watch it played i bet he can teach anybody any game anytime yeah because the way he knows how to break it down and go through it of course that's his job so that helps that he does it so much right you know professionally but it's just it's difficult teaching games is not that easy but at the same time it's not super hard it's like you can make it through it I just really enjoy... I made it through it. I think the reason I like teaching the games is I enjoy going through the rule book and catching the small rules because my biggest thing, and this is just me being a horrible person, is when somebody else teaches a game, I'm wondering in my head, what did they miss? And I know that's a horrible thing to think about somebody teaching a game. No, but because you've been in the teacher's shoes and you know how much it sucks to miss something and everybody go, oh, you didn't tell me that. (laughs) Which I'm guilty of as well because... Turd. It is true, because sometimes Delton does miss a rule. But that, oh, of course. It, he's a human being. Of course. It was like when uh, we went to Brian's house one time playing with him and his wife, and we were playing uh, Kanagawa. And he was like, do you guys remember how to play? And I started like rattling off a bunch of the rules and this and that. And he was like, how in the hell? <laughs> but it's that I play so many games, and that's what I do, so they Your stick. Your brain is hardwired to I, remember. I have fixed my brain to stick, as I'm sure most of you, the listener, are probably the same way if you buy and own and learn and play a lot of games. I'm working on it. I just, it's so weird. I couldn't imagine being on the other side to where I never like buy and learn and teach games or I do very few and then have somebody who has a ton teaching me because I've been in this position for so long. Right, we all relied on you. Yeah, when when I started into this hobby in 2012, that I read the rules, I set it up, I taught my friends. And it just, that was it. And I've never done anything different. I mean, I have. Brian's bought and taught us games. Right. You've taught me games. Other people have taught taught me games. You taught me game. (laughs) It happens all the time where I get taught. But it's just weird to think about, you know, Haley on the other side. Like if if, if Haley was learning all the games and stuff. But it works. It works. So teaching games, really, it's about how do you understand a game? Can you read the rule book and understand? I'm going to say, I'm going to say the line's probably 85%. If you can read the rule book without any other knowledge of the game, really, and get about 85% of what it's talking about, then I think you're good to teach it the first time. Because something like Broom Service, I had about 85% of that down for me and Haley to set it up and start playing. But once we played, it solidified the things I had read. And I think that is the key, is some things just aren't going to click until the board's in front of you and you're moving pieces. I'm going to take that advice to heart as I'm the one who teaches Lisboa. I don't, I think we're both going to learn it and both (laughs) going to teach each other that game when we finally get to it. You did have me learn. Through the ages? Through the ages. I had to turn around and look because I couldn't remember the name of the game. All all I pictured in my head was Queen Elizabeth or the first. Well, I just knew with Through the Ages that if I learned the whole rules, tried to explain them to you and then continue to play, that game's a lot. It's a in lot. terms of small rules. Now, the app is an amazing adaptation and super fun. and makes it so easy. But when you're reading the rule book, that one's built like a textbook. It's got the detailed breakdown and then the quick, short, like, you know, Snope. Not Snopes. 
Cliff Notes. Cliff Notes. It's got the Cliff Notes version and the full rules in the book, and it looks like a textbook. Snopes, was this historically accurate? <laughs> yes or no? I know. But it's just difficult, and it's going to take you knowing exactly what you want and knowing how you learn to maybe, like, if you have somebody that teaches you the game and they're not doing a great job, tell them how you learn better. Tell them the flow. Tell them what you're not understanding and how they could maybe phrase it. Is that something I had to learn with Delton? So I think board games were fundamental in the growth of our relationship. Communication. In communication, because early on, Delton would try and teach me a game, and I had to learn to ask questions, learn to ask clarifications, learn to say, I don't know what the hell you just said, and learn to be assertive and be like, I have to play it first. When we first got together and he was teaching me games, he would just rattle off the rules, and I'd be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And then we'd go to play, and he's like, were you not listening? I was like, no, I have to play it to know how to do it. I have to... Okay, it's my first turn. You said that we have these four options. I'm going to do this, see what the consequence is, and that's how I'm going to be solidified in my understanding of the rules. And it took me to build the confidence to be able to tell Delton, hey, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling frustrated riding the struggle bus, driving the struggle bus at this point. And so it was helpful in the development of our relationship, I think. I think so. And it also was a big point where I had to learn how to teach better and target to teach to you because I taught you games from the get-go. I mean, I remember setting up Fresco and leaving it on the table for like a week waiting for you to drive down the next <laughs> weekend so we could play. That was before we had cats and you could leave stuff on the table for more than 12 minutes alone. Oh, yeah. Way before cats. Before Steve. Well, not way before. Maybe a year. Yeah. But yeah, so teaching, it's a big thing. I mean, you have to have it for games because you're never going to send the rule book to your entire group and send them the link to the Watch It Play video. And, and then them watch it. Nobody's going to do that. Unless it's Mac and Cass. Uh, yeah, Mac likes reading <laughs> the rule books and, and being prepared. They're That's like what the he's only done, people. Basically. Uh, but teaching's fun. I enjoy it. It's difficult sometimes. And some games can be very hard to get the, like, how they play across. I think that, I think that Race for the Galaxy is one of the toughest to explain. Because the cards work in these several ways, as well as Oh My Goods. Haley still struggles with the strategy in Oh My Goods and teaching that game. I've only played it once, though. I thought we played it twice. Two or three times. I thought I only played it once. We played it a couple at We'll least. look at the board game stats. It's fine. But some games are harder to teach than others. However, I still can't get the strategy down. <laughs> she still can't, and that's okay. It'll click at some point. It's okay for you because you win. That's true. So now I think we need to talk about the last thing that Caverna Cave versus Cave has brought up. And now, join us for a Malthouse Games podcast special bite-sized question. Dugouts, the history of dugouts that were used pre-Dust Bowl no. in a lot of rural no. areas before electricity. So, quick little backstory of my family. My great-great-grandmother actually built one of the first dugouts in western Oklahoma and raised the first generation of my family to live in the United States in a dugout. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the cave is a dugout, basically. I mean, when you say dugout, I think of like a baseball dugout. Because... Which I guess is probably where... Yeah, it's where it came from. Still, it's, no. So... No. The question of the no. episode is caves. <laughs> modern caves. How have they affected your life? Don't no. Again, one time I, my face hit a bat and I was in a cave and it was scary. Sounds good. No, that is not the, the question. <laughs> The question today is very simple. What do we think about two-player versions of larger games? Two-player-only versions. Because as we said earlier, Caverna Cave versus Cave is a two-player version of Caverna in general. Yes, and we have several things like that, such as Seven Wonders Duel, 
There's also Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small. That's a two-player adaptation of another game. Lost Cities. Lost Cities does have a board game, and that's the card game. Now, I don't know if the board game, how many it holds, but the card game is very good. Uh, Codenames Duet. Codenames Duet is, yep, two-player version of Codenames. And all of these games are similar to the big board games, but they're not the same. They try to condense the play and mechanics of the big game. They try to keep the feel of it, but condense it down and make it a two-player only. It's like Agricola. The Agricola two-player game is basically a mini version of Agricola. Yes. However... You can still play real Agricola (laughs) two-player. You can still play Agricola two-player, but it's scaled down and it gives you fewer options to choose from. Yes. And so it doesn't doesn't take as much time for a two-player. Exactly. So what are your thoughts on two-player versions of games? It's odd to me that some games that work well as two-player have a two-player version. So we like Agricola with two players. But then there's Agricola All Creatures Big and Small, which is made for two players. But so is the base game. So that's kind of weird. Now, given I have not played Agricola All Creatures Big and Small, we've only played the family edition before, which is the little bit simplified. Because the normal Agricola can be played just with two players, which we've done several times. But then Agricola All Creatures Big and Small is just two player and condensed. We haven't played it. We've only played... Agricola Family Edition, which is a simplified version of the original. But all in all, with something, even Seven Wonders Duel, you can play Seven Wonders two-player. It's not the greatest. So Seven Wonders Duel is kind of welcome because it makes a better play for just two players and still keeps that Seven Wonders feel right together. So It's a knife fight. I don't think that they are something we shouldn't have because I do enjoy them because we play a lot of two-player. Right. Like if you bought me the full Caverna, I mean, we're also looking at, what, $80? Retail, where this one's probably 2025. And so that's something to consider as well is does this give you the feel of the full caverna? And if it does, if we're not going to play it with anybody else, should we even get the full version? Yeah. But some people would say without the full version, you're missing. I mean, obviously, the full version influenced this smaller one. So the full version still probably has things that we would enjoy. It's it's kind of a hard thing. I don't think there's any reason to say we shouldn't have them. But I don't think they're always necessary. See, for me, the full game versus the two-player game, whenever I put out a full-player game of Seven Wonders, I'm expecting more than just Delton and I. So it's either Brian's coming over or Kelton and Jennifer coming over or Matt and Cass coming over, and it becomes an event. Like, whenever we have friends over, it becomes an event. And so yeah. I, I'm more comfortable... And I feel better laying out all these cards, doing all the setup. Might take me 10 to 15 minutes, set everything up, organize all the cards, make sure that whoever put the game up last time wasn't a jerk and actually put the cards back in the right place. Like it, whenever you have friends over, you put in more effort. It's like making dinner for a dinner party versus dinner for you and your spouse. For us, we just throw something in the oven. We're like, all right, these taquitos are done. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so the bigger box versions, they have value and worth because... They are. They have more components. There's usually more things to do, but they're built for more friends. And you kind of you accept that trade-off because you're having an experience in gaming rather than just a game. The two-player version is a different experience because generally, you know, it, it could be played with you and a friend. But generally for Delton and I, this is just my situation, I play most of my two-player games with Delton. I mean, I played one with Allison the other night when I went over to her house, but 99% of the time I'm playing with Delton. And so the two-player version, that generally they take less setup, 
they have fewer rules, they're quicker. And so it's easier for Delta and I to squeeze in a quick two-player game. We're still having the experience of gaming. It's not like a chore by any means, and it's still fun. It's still an experience, but it's less of the hoopla that comes with the bigger box versions for just a two-player. And I can understand that. I mean, there are bigger box games that are just two-player. You can look at stuff like... Uh, Twilight Struggle. Yeah, and like Princess Jing and things like that. But I see what you're saying. I, I definitely would, see what you're saying. I would rather play Seven Wonders Duel with you than Seven Wonders General. I think that's because Seven Wonders is not good at two-player. So what if they made a two-player-only version of Castles of Burgundy? Would you play it over the base game? Because the base game, two people can get it done in 45 minutes. Right. And it's fantastic. So if they made a two-player version, would that be something that we would necessarily want? I think I would try it because, no, I didn't know any better with Seven Wonders. And then I got Seven Wonders Duel and I was like, oh, snap, I prefer playing this with Delton over the regular version. Not that I won't play the regular version if we have more friends over, but if it's just Delton and I, I much prefer to play Duel. So I would try. I probably would like it. I think it just depends on the game, too, because that's the thing. Burgundy works really well with two players. Right. So if you play it, if they had a two-player only version, most people probably say, why? The base game is great with two. It's A lot of people say it's the best with two. But you have to think of what two-player games are often made for. Yeah, they can be made for friends, but in my experience, in my limited experience and talking with others, two-player two player games are often owned by couples. Yeah, that's very and true. So when you get home from a long day at work, maybe you don't want to set up a 45-minute game, but you still want something with complexity. So you pull out the two-player version. And play it for 30 minutes. However, you've play done less setup. 20 to 30 minutes. Play it with less setup. You come home from work, home at 5.30, cook and eat dinner, get your jam jams on at 7 o'clock, you play a game, you watch an episode of your show, and you go to bed by 8.15. I mean, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> we've been going to bed pretty early lately so we can get up and work out. Uh, it's the worst. Oh, God. That might be the first time we've... Have we mentioned DDP on this? I don't know. Because that may have. be the first time we've mentioned that we w- are working out it's like yoga since we started in like training. January. Thank you for tuning in to the Malt House Games podcast, episode number 39. You realize 11 episodes, 11 weeks, and we'll be at episode 50, which is huge. You mean 22 weeks. Oh, shit. I forgot we're bi-weekly. How did I forget? In you the just middle got a lot of, of people sentence. excited that we're going to have weekly <laughs> podcasts. You jerk. No, we're not doing weekly podcasts. We got not stuff to do. weekly. We're doing still every two weeks. For now. For now. We'll Until see. I get that million dollar a year job and Delton can quit his job. That's what I like. That's what I want to hear. Woo! I'm working on it. Get it. Okay. Thank you for tuning in <laughs> to episode 39. If you would, reach out to us on social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S-G-A-M-E-S. If you want to find me or Haley personally, we are at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K, or at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. Squirrelly Geek. We're both on all social media. Haley does not use her Instagram. I only use it for Malthouse Games, but we're on pretty much all social media. You can also hit us up on Patreon and Pod Pledge to be like our awesome Patreon backers we shouted out early in the episode. Pew, 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 pew. If you have a game you would like us to cover, a topic for us to talk about, or a question you want us to answer on the show, email us, contact at malthousegames.com. I think we got everything. I think that's everything. I always feel like I'm missing something in the closeout. Forgot to say how beautiful I am today. Thank you guys for listening. My eyeliner (laughs) is on point. You better appreciate it because I spent a solid seven minutes on it. Oh, seven minutes. Seven minutes. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am beautiful today, whether or not Delton will admit it. That's exactly it. She's always the beautiful yellow player and the cockatoo of the relationship. Thank you. You're welcome.
Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll talk to you folks later. Goodbye. Bye.